You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Marlins podcast, your only daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. The Fish finally did it. They ended their 17-year playoff drought. It still feels like Christmas morning. I cannot believe that the Fish finally did it, especially since I've been waiting for this since I was six years old. So I'm very, very excited to be talking about Marlins postseason baseball as I've been putting it off because I didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to be the reason why the Marlins don't make the postseason, and I didn't want to talk about something before it came, because as a kid, I felt like every single time I would start to talk about the postseason, about the Marlins potentially being able to make it, you know, 2008, 2009, even 2005, with that stacked team that somehow was just not that good, I think they only won 82 or 84 games, I felt like everything would just fizzle out, even with the Marlins in more recent years, with the core that they had, there was times right around the trade deadline where the Marlins would just be a few games out of the wild card, and we would say, they can make a push here. With this lineup, they can make a push. They need to go get somebody at the deadline, and the Marlins would always overspend, and we know what happened there with some of the prospects they gave up. They'd go get the Fernando Rodneys, they'd go get the Jared Cozarts or the Andrew Kashners, and those guys would struggle, and the Marlins would fizzle out. That seemed to be what happened every single year, and really, this is the one year where they were able to, they slowed down at the end there, and I was thinking, here we go again, but they pick up two massive victories over the Braves and over the Yankees, and that is just, man, this team just continues to wow you in finding ways to win, Yes, they lost today, 11-4 to the Yankees. I do not care whatsoever. As you could tell, that game was a very much of an off day for a lot of the Marlins, and Mattingly's already geared up for the postseason, meaning he only held Rodgers, Trevor Rodgers, the starting pitcher, to 45 pitches because he wants him to be fresh for the postseason. And the good news is, Rodgers looked fantastic today. He looked like he did in the beginning of of this season when he first came up. He's ironed out some of his issues. He looked much more clean with his mechanics. He was much more efficient on the mound, pounding the strike zone, getting ahead, and working off that fastball that he is so successful with. That would be huge for the Marlins if Rodgers can get going in this postseason. And the thing is, him getting that confidence boost going into the playoffs, massive because the Marlins need him out of the bullpen. It's Richard Blyer and then probably him as the two left-handers that you can really count on with Stephen Tarpley very much struggling today. And it's okay for Tarpley to be struggling. He was out for a long time coming back from injury. But I think the Marlins are seeing now that they can't count on Tarpley. He might not even be an option in the postseason because we're not going to get to see enough of him to say, okay, I can put him out there in this type of situation. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality of what's going on right now. One more game in the regular season, so the Marlins will have a chance to put some other bullpen arms out there as a final audition to kind of see how things stack up. It should be a Jose Urania start. I expect him to be cut short too because he's another bullpen option that Mattingly mentioned today. He will probably be coming out of the bullpen if needed, though I think there's plenty of other better options, but Urania is a veteran, and even though he doesn't have a track record of success in the bullpen, he's probably better than some of the other options that the Marlins have 
designated for assignment in the past or some of the players on the IL. So Urania definitely has a spot in that Marlins bullpen. And we'll see, you know, how much Don will lean on him come postseason time. But just let's take a moment because I know we've probably heard it over and over again, but what the Marlins have accomplished this year is just so ridiculous. And if they play a 162 game season, they probably don't make the postseason. I, that's understandable. But even if we're talking about a 162 game season right now, and the Marlins are 30 and 28, despite, you know, in a non COVID world, 18 of their pitchers or 18 of their players getting injured, let's say, because it's the same thing, they had to go on the IL, it would still be the, one of the biggest stories in baseball. The Marlins, the bottom feeders are 30 and 28 through the first 58 games, or I guess 30 and 29 now through the first 59 games. That would still be a big story, and the Marlins would still be in position, even though it would only be a third of the way through the season, for a playoff spot. So you just really got to give this team credit. The offense just continues to click when it needs to. Yeah, they've cooled off at times, and they've struggled against some guys and some pitchers that they should be better against, but the situational hitting, they wake up at the right times, and it seems like they've never gotten into a lull for too long where you fully panic. I think the closest thing to that was this past week, so hopefully the Marlins work that out of their system, and they can roll into the postseason with some momentum. I think the offense was okay today, and keep in mind, a couple of the Marlins' main veteran hitters in the lineup, Jesus Aguilar and Corey Dickerson, got the day off today, so the Marlins putting up four runs, you would have liked to see them continue that into the later parts of the ball game because they did score three in the third, but Davey Garcia settled in, and he's a pretty good pitcher. The Marlins got one more in the seventh and then really could not get anything else going. Still, it was really good to see Matt Joyce get out of that slump a little bit with three hits today, two runs driven in. Monte Harrison with a pair of hits. That's huge because the Marlins are going to have to get him at bats at some points in the postseason, especially if they play more than two or three games because the impact he has on the bases, assuming that he's going to be pinch running in close ball games, as the team goes into extra innings or whatever the situation is, if he comes in as a pinch runner and the Marlins tie it or whatever it may be, you got to keep him out there. So you're going to have to get him at bats. And in the extra innings, you don't want to have an automatic gout out there. So it's great that Monte Harrison is able to have a little bit better of a game and pick up two hits for his confidence, hitting them the other way. He looked a little bit better today. And he seems like he's a little bit more settled in at the plate because we know his impact on the bases. He's like a glorified Gerard Dyson right now as he works out things at the plate. Obviously, he, the, the expectation is that he's going to be much better than that. But for the Marlins postseason run right now, he can serve that role except he could also be a guy that offers power off the bench. I know that he's not going to hit consistently right now until he irons some things out, but Gerard Dyson was a slap hitter that you would be lucky if he was able to pick up a base hit for you at that point in the postseason. Harrison is a power hitter that can run into some baseballs even when he's slumping. It just takes one swing. So having that is definitely beneficial, but his value on the base paths is massive. And the fact that Joyce is going better now after this ball game, Harrison is hitting the ball a little bit better now. Sierra, 0 for 4 today, but only struck out once and is able to get some at-bats to get going again. I'm sure he'll be in the lineup tomorrow too because he needs to get some momentum going as well and also just get his feet wet after being on the IL for several weeks. He's going to be a big part of this Marlins postseason run too, whether it's as a starter or off the bench. He's another guy that can be a pinch runner type. He doesn't steal bags as well as Monte Harrison. So Monte Harrison's probably the first option 
of a guy that you're going to pinch run. But Magnara Sierra could be a better option in terms of pinch hitters, or maybe in a certain lineup you want to start him or you want to substitute him. He is a weapon for the Marlins as well, and he's a consistent contact guy that was having the best offensive season of his career. So Sierra, it would be good to see him pick up a couple hits tomorrow and see if he can roll that into the postseason. Cooper stays hot, and Lewis Brinson, 0 for 5 today, not too worried about it. He's been pretty much hitting all season long, so he had to mix in a couple tough games there. We'll see if they keep him in the lineup tomorrow too, because I also want Brinson to pick up a couple hits and get going into the postseason as well. These are just games to feel it out. This is games to figure out the bullpen a little bit more and to get the guys who you want at bats before the postseason to get them some at bats. Alfaro also getting a hit today, and he seems like he's more locked in at the plate than he was in the beginning of the season and has been able to contribute in that regard as well. Wallach, surprisingly, has been consistent at the plate too over the last week or two. He's been much better behind the dish defensively, and you can tell some pitchers prefer him. So we'll see how the Marlins navigate that as well in the postseason. As for the starting pitchers, that's something I touched on in the past. I think it's pretty clear cut now that Sandy Alcantara is the Marlins' game one starter. He is going to give them a chance pretty much almost guaranteed. I'd be shocked if he doesn't put together a quality start for the Marlins. He really has every single start this season, except for his one start where he was returning off of the COVID IL for when he was out for, what, three weeks, and he struggled a little bit against the Tampa Bay Rays. Other than that, he's not had a single start where he's went less than six innings, and that is fantastic. You take away that start, his ERA is in the low twos. He has been phenomenal this year. I tweeted earlier that his sinker is up a full mile per hour, actually a little bit over a mile per hour. His slider is up a mile per hour. His four-seam fastball is up nearly a mile per hour. And as a result, he's getting more swings and misses on all of them, including the four-seamer. He's throwing the sinker more, and so he's he's throwing it harder. He's throwing it more frequently, and it's made the four-seamer better because he's using it more situationally, and he's getting more swings and misses on it. Everything is really good for Sandy right now. He's also created more separation between his changeup and his fastball. That's become a good pitch. The slider is much better than it was before. His command is good. The strikeout rate has jumped almost 5%. Everything points in a positive direction for Sandy Alcantara, and he's got that cockiness to him too that you need, that you need to see from an ace. He's got that ace cockiness. He said, they're not ready for my stuff about the Yankees, about the New York Yankees, as he's going to Yankee Stadium. They're not ready for my stuff, and they weren't ready for his stuff. He backed it up with nine Ks. I think he could have kept going, but the Marlins pulled him. I understand you don't want to stretch him out right before the postseason. He looked pissed that he was pulled. I will tell you that. He looked pissed, and I love that. I absolutely love that. Sandy's got me fired up, and I am very, very excited to see him get the ball in game one. The game two conundrum is where things are a bit more interesting. So it's a best of three series. Let's say you pick up game one. Do you go with Pablo Lopez in game two and try to shut the door? Because I think Pablo is your second best option right now, just in terms of consistency and just being a veteran, so to speak, even though Pablo is so young. I think you can make the case either way. But Sixto Sanchez has the chance and has the ability to be lights out. But if Sixto struggles, you don't want to go deep into your bullpen in game two. That's not really what you want to do because that's going to hurt you badly for game three. That is the kind of toss-up that I'm 
stuck with right now. I think if the Marlins lose, you definitely have to go to Pablo in game two. And I don't know if if the Marlins are comfortable with making it uh, depending on how game one goes. That's how we'll decide game two type of thing, because I know pitchers need to mentally prepare and also get ready for the, the next day. I know that a lot of preparation sometimes goes into the night before, but losing the first game versus winning the first game creates two totally different situations. I just think that if Sandy struggles, or excuse me, if Sixto struggles in game two, and let's say he doesn't go more than four innings because it's the playoffs, you're going to have your starter on a short leash, especially in a three-game series, and you got to use your bullpen for six innings potentially or five innings, then you roll into game three, and maybe some of your better options are now taxed from game two, and Pablo is going to have to be stretched out, and it creates an entirely different situation. That being said, if it goes 1-1 into game three, do you want to put all of that, you want to put your playoff hopes and the season on the shoulders of a 22-year-old who has been inconsistent at times? I don't know. I'd probably rather have Pablo with the ball in game three when he has been maybe the MVP of this team this season and the most consistent guy all around. It's tough. It's tough. And I don't really know if I have a correct answer. And that's where we're going to have to just see what happens and trust that Donnie knows what he's doing and being around those guys, I think you that's one of those things where it's its not in the stats. It's not in the numbers. You're not going to be able to look at some metrics or whatever it may be to really say, okay, he should pitch game two. I don't think it's that. I think it's really attitude and just the vibe that you get from those guys. As weird as that sounds, I'm typically not that type of person. As you could tell, I'm very stat oriented, but I think you've really just got to see how you're feeling and trust your gut if you're Donnie based on what you know about these guys as people and what you know about them going into the game of maybe their lives. I would say that both of them have that tenacity while Pablo's a little bit more laid back and locks in. Sixto's got the flair and the energy, but both of them are competitors. But I would probably stick with the even keel Pablo Lopez because you can count on him to keep his emotions in check, keep his adrenaline in check and not overthrow and still hit his locations. I'm a little bit nervous about Sixto being a little too pumped up and and not hitting his spots, overthrowing a little bit. We'll see what happens, but he is a pitcher that seems to adjust well and seems to learn from his mistakes. Even in that last start where he struggled, he settled in and made improvements and started hitting his spots much more frequently. So, Definitely going to be interesting to see how the Marlins handle that. One thing that I need to point out as I get into the bullpen, I owe Brandon Kinsler an apology. I absolutely do. He made me look like an absolute asshole, and I love it. I love it. I said Brandon Kinsler should not be the closer. I said that he's aging, he's throwing slower, that he's going to have some blow-up appearances, and that's when we're going to find out. And Brandon Kinsler since then has... Not giving up a run in eight innings. So what do I know, right? And look, I am happy to be wrong about that one. His last seven games, eight innings pitched, no runs allowed, six hits, six strikeouts. He is walking a lot of guys, which is a little bit concerning. Five walks in the last eight innings, 10 walks in the last 12 innings. But he gets the ground balls. The ground ball. Every time you need a ground ball, Brandon Kinsler gets a ground ball. And he gets the double play and game over. Look, I don't want him to be an escape artist every game. But he's got guts. That two-inning save, my goodness. I don't know if the Marlins are even in a playoff spot right now without that Kinsler performance and then that Kinsler performance yesterday as well. He is a veteran. He's gutsy. And that's the guy you got to give the ball 
right now. He, he's really given us no reason to take the ball away from him. So I'm going to have to eat my words on that one. I love Yimmy Garcia, and I think that he has better stuff. I think that he's a guy you can count on more for swing and miss. I don't know if I'd put Brandon Kinsler in a position where it's second and third, no outs, because a ground ball wouldn't give you any anything good. A double play w- wouldn't be great. That is where you might want to go to a swing and miss guy. But if we're just talking traditional closer, Brandon Kinsler is the guy. He basically, not that he heard anything I said, but he basically took my words and shoved them right back down my throat. So props to Brandon Kinsler. He has been a huge part for this team, and I really hope that he can continue to prove me wrong in the postseason because his velo has come back a little bit. He's throwing harder the last few outings. His stuff looks better. He's locating better, and you can tell he's got that confidence. I loved what I heard from him in that post in that uh, post game press conference. He's like, I knew we were going to do this. I loved it. This is why I came to this team. He's got an option next year. Screw it. Pick it up. It's a reasonable price. He's probably going to be a Marlin next year too because of his attitude also. He fits the culture very well, the Marlins culture. This is a team that had nine different starting pitchers in the first nine games of the season. Now they are headed to the playoffs, largely in part to Brandon Kinsler, who has been a gutsy, gutsy pitcher for the Marlins this year. And it's the guys that are drafted late, the guys that are overlooked, that are always those gutsy pitchers. He was a 40th round pick, a 40th round pick who made it to the major leagues. And that's why he has those guts. That's why he's fearless. And that's why, like he said, he plays with the house's money, like the Marlins have been doing this year. He pitches with the house's money and he's fearless. And I love it. So thank you, Brandon Kinsler, for proving me wrong. Never thought I'd ever say a sentence like that, but that's this is the happiest I've ever been to be absolutely wrong. Talking about the rest of the bullpen, the Marlins definitely need to shrink it a little bit in regards to who they want to give the ball in a game that's not lost, right? If there's a playoff game and you're down eight runs, then you can give the ball to the potentially Tarpleys if he's on the postseason roster or the Nick Vincents or the Stanics. But as for the close games, when the Marlins really are competing in the postseason, hopefully, and it's a game three or a game two, you're trying to either hold on to a lead or keep the game tied or keep the deficit at one or two. Kinsler, of course, is going to be the closer. Yimmy Garcia has got to be one of the number one options in a high leverage situation. Boxberger, of course, has gotten into trouble at times, but still overall has been one of the better Marlins relievers in the back end of things. Richard Blyer, he's probably the first lefty I'd go to out of the pen. Yeah, Trevor Rogers looks like he's got better swing and miss stuff right now, but Blyer is so poised. Another veteran that was overlooked for much of his career now is really settling in as a veteran and gets better each season. He's pitching as well as he has in his entire career, and the Marlins, they said this wasn't a trade because of the COVID situation. They had always liked Blyer, and they were excited to add him to the ball club. Trevor Rogers still, I, I think the Marlins need to count on him in pretty tough situations. And that's just, it's tough for him. You know, he's either hot or cold, but he looked really good in this last outing. And I think that he's going to definitely come in to some tough situations if the Marlins make a run in the postseason. And then of course, another guy that needs to be counted on in the clutch, James Hoyt, the janitor. He cleans up every mess. I absolutely love James Hoyt. He has really found his slider in the later years of his career too. So many diamonds in the rough that the Marlins have found as relievers. And he has been the left-on-base king for this bullpen and has bailed the Marlins out of so many tough situations. If you've got a hitter 
a big power hitter in a tough situation that has a propensity to swing and miss, <coughs> John Carlos Danton. Uh, Hoyt is that perfect type of guy that can get the strikeout and get him out of the ball game. I love what James Hoyt has been able to do. Jose Urania, he's going to have to be a guy too. I mean, I don't think he's at the top of my list of guys that I'm going to be counting on out of the bullpen, but he's a veteran. He has the ability to get out when he's on, and the Marlins might have to go to him at certain points too, especially if the bullpen is very taxed or if they get a short start out of one of their three guys that might be throwing in the first three ball games. It's going to be a lot of fun here, and I'll wrap up with what I think is the better option for the Marlins in terms of who they can face. I think that it would be better for them to face the Cubs personally. Yeah, it sucks that you're going to have to face you Darvish in game one, but the rest of the pitchers don't really concern me too much of the Cubs. I think the Marlins can compete with that. I think Sandy can match Darvish for the most part if the Marlins can just get Darvish out in the sixth inning. Look, the Marlins were able to beat DeGrom the times that they made him throw a lot of pitches and they had a good starting pitcher that kept them in the ball game and they got DeGrom out in the sixth. You get to the bullpen. The Cubs bullpen is nothing special. Their lineup... A lot of their best hitters have struggled this year. Javi Baez having the worst year of his career. He's blaming it on the no video in between at-bats. Maybe that's true, but there's not going to be video in the postseason either. So Javi Baez might continue to struggle. Chris Bryant has been pretty meh. Anthony Rizzo has struggled. This is a Cubs team that, look, they're winning ball games, but they're not really scary to me. I think the Padres, yeah, they don't have Clevenger, but that offense is electric. They call, they call him Slam Diego for a reason. Their starting pitching is still good. Chris Paddock, of course, that would rip my heart out if Chris Paddock beats the Marlins in the postseason. That is, uh, uh, I, I can't talk about that. That can't happen. So that's another reason why it's better to face the Cubs. But Lamette is also, Denelson Lamette, very, very good pitcher. Their bullpen is pretty solid. Their offense is electric. I don't want to run into the Padres. Even though they have the makings of a team that could start to slow down in the postseason, I don't want to find out if they are one of those teams. Cubs seem like the best matchup. The Marlins would have a chance, maybe even have Steve Bartman throw out the first pitch. Of course, he would never do that, but you know you were going to be reliving that stuff a ton when the Marlins take them on, and that would be a lot of fun to see a Marlins-Cubs matchup again, just like we did in 2003. What a year. What a special season. What a special group of guys. It has been so much fun being able to share this with you and talk about the Marlins all year long. Thank you for making me one of your options to get some Marlins talk, analysis, information, and asking questions. I love talking Marlins, and it's been fun seeing the interest grow. As for those of you that have been here since the beginning, since the dog days of the rebuild, it definitely is that much sweeter for you. And as we take our victory lap around the people that doubted the team, I think we should also welcome those who are still excited for the team despite saying bad things in the past. Welcome them back, because I can understand why people had their hearts ripped out from the Marlins in the past and had a bad taste in their mouth and didn't have trust. But now, it's about supporting a team that deserves all of the support it can get, and I really hope that Miami will rally around this ball club because they deserve it in every sense. It's a likable group. It's a really hardworking, young, and energetic group. But the thing is, they're not that young. They've got some good young players, and then they've got some veterans, but they all play like they're young. And the the young players really seem to get more energy going into the veterans, and it's just been, it's reminiscent of 2003 in that regard. 
2003 club had some veterans, had some really exciting young energetic players as well, like Dontrell Willis and Miguel Cabrera. And those guys seemed to galvanize the rest of the group as they were both called up middle of the season. This has been a special year. And again, thank you for sharing your COVID-19 abbreviated special Marlins season with me. We're not done yet. The Marlins aren't done yet. There's going to be a lot more podcasts and hopefully a lot more postseason podcasts. Feel free to fire any questions at me on Twitter, especially about the postseason roster, about lineups, rotation, starting pitchers, whatever it may be. This is the time to have as much fun as possible. Let's enjoy this. And thank you, as always, for listening. I look forward to talking Marlins playoff baseball with you tomorrow.